Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 935. Happy New Year. It's 2018. You know, I often describe myself as a lone wolf type of character in the sense of I don't roll with an entourage. And like I said, I don't have a team really behind me helping me do what I do. And I think that all goes back to achieving some success as a young kid doing something that I really love to do at that time that was running. And nothing's really changed 40 years later. I still love what I do, which is obviously, you know, Porsche related, but in a bigger picture, making the most out of life and every opportunity. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Happy New Year, automotive enthusiasts. I am a revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, a returning guest here on Cars Yeah for New Year's Day, Magnus Walker. Hey, Magnus, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Hey, Mark, I'm always buckled up and ready to, as I say, get out and drive pedal to the metal. So, uh, yeah, it's great to be back on the show. Super excited to uh, catch up with what's going on with you. I hear this is the uh, 935th show, so... You've come a long way since uh, when I was on the 100th show, which I believe was a little over three years ago. Yeah. And for all you Porsche fans out there, obviously 935 is a pretty meaningful Porsche number. Oh, yeah. And as I like to say, it's always Porsche time. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let me do a brief introduction here, and we're going to jump in and talk about some of the many cool things you've been doing. Magnus Walker's love affair with Porsches began when he was just 10 years old during a trip to London, the 1977 London Motor Show. And in 1986, at the age of 19, he moved to L.A. and started his own line of clothing. That led to an acquisition of a warehouse in downtown L.A., his first Porsches, club racing, and an ever-expanding collection of vintage Porsches that he often customizes in his outlaw style. His builds started gaining attention, and when he produced the video Urban Outlaw, things really started to accelerate. Magnus is not your stereotypical Porsche owner, though, and there's nothing really typical about Magnus Walker. He's an online urban outlaw story. He's got a blog, a website, videos. He's been a speaker on TED Talks, and he travels all over the world, driving Porsches and expanding its reach to fans everywhere. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about his new book and his first book, Dirt Don't Slow You Down. So, Magnus, every time I try to reach out to you, you are always off somewhere. You're driving in some event. Would you tell our listeners a little bit about the many things you've been up to since we last talked and especially what you're about to go do tomorrow? Well, firstly, it sounds like you've been doing a little bit of homework, put on your Sherlock Holmes uh, hat. Yeah. She nailed all those uh, talking points really uh, exceptionally well. So I thank you for that. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. I'm 24 hours away from heading down to Colombia. I'm flying tomorrow into Bogota, and I'm going to be driving with Porsche from Bogota to Medellin. But the story is a little bit more exciting than that. Uh, Porsche is launching the new Cayenne globally, and I'm working with the Porsche Cars Latin American region and they're doing an epic 18,000-kilometer drive from Argentina to Mexico City. And I've done a couple of events with Porsche Cars Latin America this year. I've been uh, down in Mexico City with them at the WEC race, and they told me about this Cayenne launch, and I said, hey, I'd love to be part of that. And they said, well, you can go wherever you want to go. I said, well, show me where it's going. They said, Argentina to Mexico City. I said, well, let me see the, the route that it's taken, and somehow I nailed in on uh, Colombia, I'd never been there, and uh, it's going from Bogota to Medellin, which is obviously a 
pretty exciting part of the world down there. So I'm pretty excited to be driving uh, this 500-kilometer-ish stage from Bogota to Medellin. And it seems that this thing uh, is building momentum because most of the stages, uh, journalists are invited from all over to drive various stages, which are broken up into approximately 500-kilometer uh, routes. But for mine, it seems to be gaining momentum because there's going to be a rally with approximately 100 Porsches joining in on what I think is going to be, for me, an epic journey from Bogota to Medellin. So I'm super excited to be going down there with Porsche Cars Latin America. And for me, it's just an untapped region. I often talk about the journey is, uh, you know, what excites me, the experiences, the memorable moments. So in the past three years, it's hard to sort of nail down where I've been because it seems... I'm barely in L.A. for more than a week at a time every month. And my journeys with Porsche have taken me all over the world. Last year, I was in uh, Australia, Sydney Motorsports Park for their Rensport reunion, amongst many other places. But that was certainly a memorable event for me. This year, I managed to go to Le Mans for the first time. And I also attended four other WEC races, including the final race, which was a couple of weeks ago. It will be Porsche's last LMP1 race for the time being. So it was a big uh, final, uh, you know, event, and that was in Bahrain. So, you know, I've sort of been able to travel all around the world just on this passion for enjoying life and uh, doing various things with Porsche, which I'm very fortunate to be uh, a part of in a small way. So those are just a few of the things that I've done since we, we last spoke. For me, it's kind of hard to remember them all because they all happened back to back. And uh, you know, it's hard to sort of absorb uh, everywhere where I've been because it does. Uh, I'm racking up the frequent flyer miles. Let's put it that way. There's a great song by Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere, man, and I think that's you, based on what you've been doing since we I last talked. Johnny, <laughs> yeah, what a cool guy, Johnny Cash, the man in black. You know, yeah. uh, that's a great song, along with uh, a boy named Sue, which you know I can relate to in the sense of you know being a kid with a strange name getting picked on. That's kind of a little bit like uh, the boy named Sue, but yeah. I think ultimately uh, Johnny Cash was obviously a great American legendary singer-songwriter. And uh, it's funny, I listen to a lot of Pandora Radio, one of my favorite stations. You know, there's an outlaw country station on there. And, yeah. uh, they often play Johnny Cash songs. So big fan of Johnny Cash. I actually have a, a really cool signed photo, black and white, that my buddy took of Johnny Cash, uh, one of my many prized possessions. Ah, very cool. Well, listen, as we continue on your journey, I usually ask a guest for a success quote. And when you were on the show before, you gave me multiple success quotes. And one of them was, dirt don't slow you down. And I think it's really cool that you picked that as a title of this new book. So tell me, why did you pick that as a title for your book? Well, for me, you know, I think in the Porsche world, you know, these certain assumptions and i always talk about the porsche pie is a big pie with plenty of slices and you know some people like to have their cars judged on golf courses with people with white gloves and q-tips sort of critiquing the car so for me i'm kind of the opposite of that i, I don't show cars and you know, i don't really care on other people's opinions on you know what's correct and not correct because for me i always say i like to build things my own way to satisfy my own sort of goals needs and tastes so the term dirt don't slow you down. It's just one of those things that, you know, a shiny car doesn't go any faster than a dirty car. And uh, it's just one of those titles or one of those phrases that I've always said, dirt don't slow you down. To me, you know, I like a car that's got a lot of character and patina and soul. And normally those cars are not shiny. So uh, that's kind of where the term dirt don't slow you down comes from. I like it. Well, why did you decide to write this book? What inspired you to put this story of your life together? 
Well, how much time do we have to tell the story? I mean, <laughs> for me, uh, it certainly wasn't something on the list of things I was looking to do or needed to do. I mean, I actually left school at 15 with two O-levels, so not much education. You know, and I often talk about certain people are what I would call book smart in the sense of, you know, had an education, went to college or university, and then there's people like myself that are street smart that left school at an early age and sort of, you know, adapted to life through the sink or swim mentality. So I actually don't really read. I can read, obviously, but I have a lot of books and magazines that I often say I like to look at pictures. So I'm not the type of guy that sits down and reads a book. But um, the book was kind of an interesting story. You know, and like most things in my life, it happens unplanned and happens organically. And the book came about via a conversation with uh, my buddy Liam, who happens to be in this band called The Prodigy, who owns one of my former cars. He's a cool dude and lives in London. And long story short, he sent me a, a WhatsApp message, I don't know, two, three years ago, probably mm-hmm. two years ago, about a buddy of his, Martin Roach, who uh, was interested in talking to me about the potential of riding a buck. Now, Martin Roach is what's known as a ghost rider, and he's a super cool, interesting guy, friend of mine and long-term friend of Liam's. And to sum Martin up, he's old punk rock guy, similar age to myself, grew up uh, in England, in the late 70s, early 80s, and he's written over 150 books that fall into two categories. One is music-related. One of the very first books he ever did was on the band The Prodigy, and he's since gone on to write over 50 books on bands, music, musicians, and his sort of current claim to fame in the music world is he wrote the uh, autobiography on the the big pop band One Direction, which uh, sort of is the biggest boy band in the world. Mm-hmm. On the other section of what Martin writes about is he writes a lot of books about cars, everything from supercar books for boys to Bugatti to his current sort of uh, big book prior to mine was on Nigel Mansell called Staying on Track, which came out about 18 months ago and was nominated one of the top 10 sports books of all time in the UK. Wow. So I actually met uh, Martin a little over two years ago on a trip to England when I was doing something for the Need for Speed video, we hit it off. And then uh, six months after that, when I was in England for Christmas, he came to visit me in Sheffield, where I grew up and visited uh, you know, all the homes I'd lived in and schools I went to. And this was before we had a book deal. But Martin had reached out to his publishers and said, hey, are you familiar with this guy, Magnus Walker? I think there's a book here. And they basically said... Yes, we're familiar with him. We like him. And long story short, we ended up getting into a bidding war between Penguin Random House and Virgin Publishing as to rights to publish the book. So we ended up choosing Penguin Random House. And uh, last July, Martin flew out from England to spend a week with me in L.A. And essentially, we just hung out for a week and told stories. And he recorded uh, the conversations, went back to England with about 20 hours worth of uh, me rambling on <laughs> and then disappeared for three months. I didn't hear from him. Three months later, he sent me the first draft manuscript of the book. And interestingly, he told me that his wife had said he started talking like me and, you know, even using my mannerisms. So Martin's one of those guys that I guess gets into the mind of the character. Right. So sent me the first manuscript. Basically, I read it once and changed a couple of things. And that was it. That was the book. Perhaps the hardest part of the book for me was picking out the photos to go in the book because Martin sort of captured my life story in a way that appears to be relatable to a lot of people. It's an easy read and it's basically a a life story of me never giving up on a dream, my dream and my journey of coming to America. And then we released the book uh, in June of this year in the England. 
And uh, I did something a little bit different. Instead of doing book signings and book releases at bookstores such as Barnes & Noble, I was fortunate enough to be able to do them at Porsche centers. So the very first one we did was at the Ace Cafe, the iconic rock and roll truck stop cafe, which is all things Motorhead in uh, North London, England. And then I did book signings at Porsche centers in East London, Silverstone, Sheffield, Wolverhampton, and Aberdeen. And it was just great. It was spectacular to do a book signing at a Porsche dealership. And uh, to top it off within the first two weeks of the book coming out, it actually made it into the top 10 bestseller list on the London Times uh, book review, which according to Martin and the guys in the publishing world is sort of a big deal. Yeah. It was just one of those things yet again that happened organically. And so we keep moving on. The book's now getting uh, translated into German. So uh, coming up in March, I'll be doing a German book tour at German book centers in Berlin, Essen, Stuttgart, and Munich. And then hopefully the book will get translated into Spanish and Portuguese. So essentially that's the book story. It wasn't planned. It happened organically. And for me, it was interesting to look back over the past 50 years of my life. Uh, When the book came out, I was just about to turn 50. I turned 50 this uh, summer, July 7th. So mm-hmm. for me, it was really kind of an interesting uh, part of my life. I describe it as the next chapter, having just turned 50. You know, I'm kind of moving into a different phase, I think, different priorities. But the book was really, for me, a little bit of therapy, looking back on what I'd done over the past 50 years of my life and how I'd got to the position that I'm in today. So uh, I want to thank everybody out there that's read the book and uh, enjoys the book, and uh, we'll see what the next chapter brings. Well, it's very exciting. In putting this together, did you come across any big revelations? And when you sit and talk about your life, and you're you're a master marketer. I mean, that's what you kind of do as a living, and you've created this personality and this passion for cars and Porsches. But was there a big revelation that came to you as you uh, put this whole project together? Well, a couple of things. When you say about marketing, to me, it's just me and an iPhone. You know, it's not like I have a team behind me marketing stuff. But I think that's the relatability to people follow what I do is I'm no different to anyone else. Everyone else has got a phone and post stuff online. People maybe just seem to resonate with what I'm doing. But to answer your specific question with the book, having looked back, I think as a kid, I talk about it in the book and compiling all this stuff together for the book, which I have to thank my mum for it because in many ways, obviously, without her, I wouldn't be here. But my mum had saved all this memorabilia I had as a kid. And as a young kid between the age of, let's say, 10 to 14, I used to run a lot, cross-country, middle-distance running, and I was actually quite successful at it, winning the North England Schoolboy Championship along with lots of regional Yorkshire, South Yorkshire things. And this is literally going back late 70s so mm-hmm. you know 40 years ago yeah but looking back over that period i didn't realize it at the time but i guess i was goal oriented and motivated at a very early age through the running and that sort of made me disciplined to achieve the goals i'd set for myself and so i think looking back that was just a reminder of you know i've always sort of been running and chasing something and the common thread that connects everything together there was through, I guess, drive and motivation, I never gave up on the challenges that I set for myself. And I think that served me pretty well over the past 40 years. You know, I mean, I wasn't a team player in the sense of I played football or rugby. You know, uh, middle distance running, in a sense, is an individual sport. Mm-hmm. You know, and I often describe myself as a lone wolf type of character in the sense of I don't roll with an entourage. And like I said, I don't have a team really behind me helping me do what I do. And I think that all goes back to achieving some success as a young kid doing something that I really love to do. 
at that time that was running. And nothing's really changed 40 years later. I still love what I do, which is obviously, you know, Porsche related, but in a bigger picture, making the most out of life and every opportunity. But that did start as a young kid with motivation and drive and having a little bit of a success earlier on really showed me that anything was possible. And I've never let go of that sort of mantra of if you put your mind to it, put the hours in, you can achieve goals that you set for yourself. So that was just a re, uh, I guess a reformation of, uh, what I learned as a child. Absolutely. Very cool story. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here and talk about when I first met you going back and at three years ago, and I've seen you at events since then, SEMA and Rensport and the historic races and things. However, back then you were really focused on early 911s, the long hood 911s. And since then I've seen you on Facebook and social media with a surge of turbos, which is fun to me because I've got an 87 turbo. So that makes me smile. But what's new and a focus for you right now in the Urban Outlaw Garage? Well, let's touch on turbos. You know, my story is really familiar. I don't want to bore people with the 10-year-old at London Oscorp Motor Show. But the turbo was the car that I fell in love with Porsche through. So, like, my collection, it's always started at the beginning. So the turbo era, turbo fever, my collection is always goal-orientated specifically. So for me, it was the early years. Believe it or not, I ended up with seven early turbos over the past few years. I'm now down to five. These are the keepers. So I have two 75s. And 75 was the first year that the turbo came out, the iconic Porsche. Porsche only made 284 examples of the 930 turbo in 1975. And somehow I was lucky enough to find two of them. Yeah. One being a right-hand drive example and one being a left-hand drive. The right-hand drive example is really kind of a cool car because Porsche only made 17 of those for the whole world in 1975. I don't think there can be more than a dozen that survive today. And my example was a UK car that went to Australia in 1980, and uh, I shipped it over to LA probably three years ago. It was God's Red at the time, and now it's been restored back to its original copper-brown metallic color, which I believe is probably one of one surviving in a copper brown metallic right and drive wow. 75930 turbo. Yeah. Then I have two 76s and one 77. So that basically covers the turbo cars. But to answer your question briefly, I guess the, the real answer for me, the new goal with Porsche is one of everything Porsche has ever made in a sports car. So for me, that covers front engine, mid engine, rear engine, both air and water cooled. Now, a lot of Porsche purists out there seem to believe that, you know, only air-cooled 911s is the way to go when it comes to Porsche. But for me, if there's a Porsche badge on it, I'm all about it. So for <laughs> me, it's all about variety and experiencing new things. So with the front-engine transaxle cars, which just celebrated 40 years, you know, the 924 came out in 76, 77, I ended up acquiring three 924 turbos. One of them's a base stock model. One of them's a... Uh, 924 Carrera GT, which Porsche only made 406 examples. That's the car just a few days ago. I shot a new video that will be coming out with Petrolicious early next year. And then I have a pretty cool example of this Al Holbert wide-bodied uh, GTR-inspired kit that was actually put on at the Al Holbert dealership in the early 80s. And I believe the actual car I have is the one that was in the Al Holbert um, brochure and catalog so that's kind of cool you know because i obviously modify cars uh people have been modifying porsche since the 50s and to me that's a little bit of porsche history there with al holbert being a factory race car driver and obviously having his own dealership you know it's a little bit like brumos and Hurley mm -hmm. haywood you know it's an 
iconic name in the Porsche world. But to move on with the collection, it's 924s, 928s, 944s, 968s. I'm on the chase for a 968 Club Sport, so that covers front-engine, water-cooled, transaxle cars. Mid-engine is, I have a 72 uh, 914. I'm on the hunt for an early Cayman that will cover mid-engine, water-cooled. And then within the 911 range, the goal is one of every model. So currently, I'm up to uh, perhaps one of my favorite new cars and my only water-cooled 911, but it's a car that I love. It's my 2004 um, 996 GT3, which is like the evolution of what I call my sport purpose, readable track cars. Yeah. So in chronological order, next up will obviously be the 997 and potentially a 991. And then I'm fortunate enough to drive what I call OPP, other people's Porsches, you know, mm-hmm. such as my buddies that let me drive cars I could never afford, you know, 959s, Carrera GTs, and uh, 918s. So that's the great thing about Porsche is I always say it's the people. And uh, for me, I'm a goal-oriented collector. So that's what's next on the list of uh, Porsche sports cars for my uh, collection in the garage. Wow, very cool. Well, you know, it, you're very interesting to me because I fit more of the old school Porsche guy. I'm kind of a straight guy, boring guy. And when I met you, you let me take a great picture with you. My wife was picking up. She goes, he's like your brother from another mother, the antithesis. You know, he's got this long hair and tattoos and wild guy, and I'm kind of this tame guy. How have you seen yourself evolve into this uh, representative, if you will, of Porsche around the world when you don't fit the old stereotypical Porsche guy look? Well, first of all, I have to say I think you're a lucky guy because you obviously have a great wife with a great sense of humor. Yes. I mean, for me, I don't really think I've changed. I'm the same as I've been before the Urban Outlaw film came out, which I have to give big props to Canadian film guy Tamir Moscovici for his vision in making the short documentary film Urban Outlaw, which really put me on the map. And without his film, I wouldn't be here talking to you and traveling the world. So for those of you that haven't seen Urban Outlaw out there, it's easy to find online. It's a 32-minute short documentary film that I would advise you to watch if you enjoy life. But anyway, I guess to answer your question is, I think what I bring to the table, the relatability, is something that I say cannot be manufactured, which is authenticity and passion. And I think Porsche has realized that I'm an authentic uh, fan of the brand and a very passionate friend, uh, fan of the brand. And that's something that Porsche can't manufacture passion and sell it to you at a Porsche dealership. So I'm fortunate in a sense that I'm able to travel the world in some capacity with Porsche doing some cool stuff. You know, I'm not an official brand ambassador. There's no contract. They just invite me places and I say yes. So for me, you know, it's not something that I sort of really thought too hard about. Yet again, it organically happened and I'm just super appreciative for Porsche being able to uh, allow me to come along and support me in a certain capacity. So I think the common bond that brings all Porsche people together, regardless of how you look, is we all speak Porsche. You know, it's it's this great equalizer, what I talk about. It doesn't matter what language you speak, uh, you know, where you're from, what you look like, what you sound like. We are all fans of the brand. You know, Porsche is going to be celebrating its 70th anniversary this year, 2018, coming yeah, up. Yeah. I think it's going to just be an overwhelming amount of Porsche activity. The Peterson Museum in L.A. is uh, doing a year-long Porsche exhibit. Obviously, the pinnacle will probably be Rensport 6 in September at Laguna Seca. So, you know, for me, it's just great to be around Porsche. I'm more passionate about Porsche than I've ever been. And it's kind of as simple as that, I think. You know, as long as Porsche keeps inviting me to cool events, I'm going to keep saying yes. And that's about it. I think so. 
Well, here we are in the new year, 2018. And again, Happy New Year to you, Magnus, and all the listeners out there. I'm so excited to start the year with you as a returning guest. That makes it really, really special. Tell us what you're looking forward to. Are there some other, other than this trip down to South America you're about to take, are there other trips that you're planning, other big adventures for 2018 you can share with us? Yeah, I mean, 2018 uh, is going to be a blockbuster Porsche-filled year with the 70th anniversary. I mean, uh, a cool event I'm going to be participating in is my buddy's event down in Miami, Das Rentraffen, which is uh, February the 11th in Miami. It's perhaps the biggest Porsche event on the East Coast, so that's sort of going to kick off the year in the Porsche sense. But for me, I'm going to be uh, doing a few things I haven't done before. I'm going to be going to the Detroit Auto Show in the middle of January, which will be cold. Then I go down to Mexico City to finish up this 18,000-kilometer Porsche rally in the Cayenne. So super excited to be down in Mexico City. Uh, February is going to be uh, Das Rentraffen Porsche event in Miami. So for all you listeners out there, look that up, and hopefully I'll see you down in the 305, the uh, zip code, area code for Miami. Then I'm doing the German book tour for myself in uh, promoting the German release of Dirt Don't Slow You Down. That'll be in March. I'll be attending the Essen uh, Techno Classic Essence show with Porsche. And then there's various events coming up that I'm excited to be a part of. Uh, Goodwood Festival of Speed, Goodwood Revival. But I think the pinnacle event next year is, has to be the Porsche Rentsport Reunion 6 yes. at Laguna Seca. I think for me that it's just going to be an overload of... It's going to be hard for Porsche to top the fifth Rentsport Reunion a couple of years ago, but Porsche always has a habit of bringing great things out and... Uh, making things bigger and better than the one before. So I think the highlight of the year has to be Porsche Rentsport Reunion, which I believe is, I don't know, the 20th of September or something like that yeah. at Laguna Seca. So hopefully I'll see a lot of you listeners out there. Absolutely. I've already got my room and reservations. I'll be there as well. And I want to remind our listeners that Magnus is being very kind as a wonderful New Year's gift here. He's going to give away a signed copy of this book. So make sure you go to carsyad.com, click on my free book button. I'll send you my free filler-up book. And your name will be in the hat to win a copy of this book. I have a copy here. It's awesome. It's so much fun to read about. I learned a lot of little details about your life I didn't know. So one lucky subscriber is going to be a winner. Now, do you see another book in your future? Do you see down the road somehow? Uh, well, first of all, I have to say, I think every listener to Cars Yeah is a winner. Uh, <laughs> as for the book, I think for me, the next natural step, and people have always asked me, why don't you do a coffee table book? You know, I've been fortunate enough over the past five, ten years to work with a lot of extremely talented photographers, and so I've got this catalog of a lot of what I think are spectacular photos of Porsche cars. So I think the next thing for me could be a, a coffee table book of my 20 favorite Porsches that I've, you know, owned, built, driven, and restored. So that is something I've been talking about. It's uh, a lot of work to compile all that stuff together. I just kind of got to be in one place for you know, a little bit of time to get all those iconic images together. But I think a coffee table book would be great. I just wrote a foreword for Das uh, Klauser Publishing in Germany. Those are the guys that publish Christophers and Curbs and various other great publications out there. And they're doing a 70th uh, retrospective Porsche book that I wrote uh, the introduction for. So I often get asked to write little intros to books, and uh, that's something that I enjoyed it, uh, enjoyed doing. But uh, I think to answer your question for me, the next step probably would be a coffee table book. Cool. I can't wait for that. And I will remind our listeners, Tamir Moscovici, who did the film with uh, Magnus, uh, Urban Outlaw, he's been a guest here on Cars, yeah? He was uh, my 531st guest, I think it was. So you can find his show and listen to his story 
on the Cars Yeah website. Well, Magnus, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Well, we're into December now, and the holidays are here. And if you have an automotive enthusiast on your list that's hard to buy for, get them a Covercraft gift card. They can go and order anything they want from the Covercraft website. All sorts of things are there, including car covers, dash covers, seat covers, sunscreens, front-end protection, floor mats, canine covers, work truck, power sports covers. There's everything there for the automotive enthusiast to take care of their special vehicles. I've been a Covercraft user since 1975. That's right. All the way back to high school. So go to Covercraft.com, click on the gift card button, order it in any denomination you'd like. You can put it in the mail, they'll ship it for you, stick it in a stocking, and you'll make somebody very happy. That's Covercraft.com, Covercraft gift cards at Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Magnus, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. You know what that means. You've been on many tracks. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to ask you a few questions here and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive? throttle? I like that. I like that, too. What's the best advice you can share with someone who wants to write their first book? Never give up. Stay motivated and be truthful, I think, is the best advice. Absolutely. Now, I know we talked about this earlier, Dirt Don't Slow You Down as the title, and you explained why you chose that. Was there a second title that you had in your mind when you wrote this book? Probably Pedal to the Metal would be the second title. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Never, you know, <laughs> I think never so. Never slow down. Then you talked about your friend helping you as far as a resource. Were there other resources you tapped into when you put this book together? Because it's a, it's a big job to put your whole life in one place. Well, it's a, it was a real trip down memory lane. I mean, for me, you know, it was kind of like therapy. The last couple of years of my life have been the highs and the, the lows. So it was an emotional journey for me. Uh, you know, like I said earlier on, I was super fortunate that my mum had kept a lot of these old certificates and drawings and things that you see in the book. And uh, talking of my mum, you know, I sent uh, the first draft after I'd read it to my mum and you know, she actually liked the book straight away, and I told that to Martin, and that was kind of the seal of approval. That was all oh, yeah. all we needed. So, you know, my mom was super helpful in sort of staying truthful to the book, and uh, that was it. It was it was an interesting journey and something that will always be there. You know, you talk about social media. Those things seem sort of temporary, you know, the here today, gone five seconds later. But the book is something that's a tangible 
uh, object, you know, it's right there and will always be there. It's never going to disappear. So for me, I'm proud of the book and just super honored of all the people that helped me uh, get to that stage and supported the book throughout the uh, the book tour and made it a top 10 bestseller in England. So the next goal for the book really will be to get it released all over the world and do a U.S. book tour. So, uh, But I do want to thank my mum, obviously, for without her, I wouldn't be here. Big thanks to Martin Roach, who basically put the book together. And big thanks to Tamir Moscovici, because he's part of the book as well. There's a whole chapter in the book on Urban Outlaw, because without him, the book probably wouldn't have happened either. Yeah, well, our moms, our biggest supporters, and uh, cheers, Correct. that's for sure. Well, this is a question I ask my guests now that I didn't get to ask you when you were on the show before. If I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? First name that comes to my mind is Hurley Haywood. You know, he's an American racing Porsche legend, super nice guy. Yeah. And I spent some time with Hurley, and he's always super down to earth. So going with the first name that comes to mind, Hurley Haywood would be the guy that I'd sit down and spend some time with. But, of course, I'd want Vic Elford to be with him and Derek Bell as well. And uh, I think that would be a great, you know, three musketeers conversation centered around Porsche. So yeah. Hurley Haywood, Derek Bell, and Vic Alfred, if you're out there and want a little sit-down, I'll probably see you guys at Amelia Island, yep. one of my favorite events, uh, which I guess is March-April time. So Yeah, coming up. Sit down and have a cup of tea. Yeah. Well, that, that would be cool. All those guys driving 917s, and all those guys have been guests on the show. Derek was a guest just, uh, well, just the early part of December here on Cars. You had both he and his and son, he Justin. son Justin. Yeah, Bell, yeah right? back-to-back, uh, yeah. A friend of mine and one of the coolest uh, guys I know, Justin Bell, I actually sat down with him on his uh, little podcast thing, and we sat down and had a cup of tea. He brought over the PG Tips and an Airstream trailer, and we sat down and did some urban camping and tree drinking. So <laughs> if Justin's out there listening, let's do it again, because uh, yeah. any Bell's a good Bell. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys were absolutely awesome. Well, listeners, I'll remind you, you can find links to all these great resources that Magnus has shared, and you can go back and listen to his first show, on the Cars yeah website, just just go to CarsYow.com, type in Magnus Walker. Both of his shows will pop up, this one and the last one. Go back and listen to even more about his history on that one. I think you'll find it really fun. All right. The last one was pretty memorable. It was the 100th uh, yeah. episode of Cars yeah, right? I know. You were a milestone guy, and that's why I wanted to have you back here on New Year's Day. I thought that would be pretty fun. So uh, yeah. I really appreciate it. It's that 9-11 didn't fall into the, uh, uh. the time slot, but... But 9.35 is pretty good, too. So, well, like I always say, stay boosted on the turbo fever. That's why um, Mr. Bell was my 9.17th guest, which I thought oh, was appropriate well, for him. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Very cool. Well, you know, I always ask everybody this question. I asked you this before, but I got to ask it again. And this is what I call the doozy of questions, because you have a big collection of cars. But today I'm going to make you get rid of everything and I'm going to buy you just one that you could have in your garage. But I want you to drive it. Of course, you drive all your cars, so you're my hero in that respect. No garage queens in the Magnus garage. If I could buy you just one car today, any car in the world, money's no object, and park it in your garage, what would it be? Uh, it would probably be my 1977 Toyota Corolla 2TC that I bought for $200 <laughs> probably 30 years ago because that was the car that I officially took my driver's test in here in L.A., in 1988 and so that's for me an important car because it's the first car that i ever owned you know so uh 
I'm thinking about building a hot rod 77 Toyota Corolla. So if you could find that car, it might cost a bit more than 200 bucks today. But that would be the one because, you know, I'm a car guy and that was my first car. It's kind of like your first girlfriend. You never forget it, right? So, oh, Magnus. You so always I'll find me that 1977 you, Toyota Corolla. You always throw me a curve, dang it. I just. Just when I think I've got you figured out, there's something new about Magnus Walker. Well, that's cool. Well, listen. You weren't expecting that, right? No, I was not. Not at all. And I think that's why you're so special. Well, you've taken us on a great ride today, as you always do. I really enjoyed connecting with you, especially on New Year's Day here. That makes it extra special to start the year. What a way to start the year with Magnus Walker and a couple Porsches having some fun. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey and this new book, Dirt Don't Slow You Down. I'll remind our listeners there that one lucky listener's going to get a signed copy. So make sure you go and subscribe on the Car Show website. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you these days and see what you're doing? And if they want to go buy their own copy of Dirt Don't Slow You Down. Well, I'm pretty easy to find. I post on Instagram and Facebook daily, sometimes a couple of times a day. Uh, That's perhaps the best place to find me there. If you want to get a copy of the book, if you're not the lucky winner and you want to buy one, uh, you can buy it at theurbanoutlawshop.com. So I'm on Instagram, Magnus Walker. I'm on Facebook, Magnus Walker. And if you want to buy some books or baseball caps or whatever, urbanoutlawshop.com. But more importantly, I hope to see uh, you guys out there at cool car-related events in 2018. Absolutely. Well, Magnus, thanks for spending some time with me today. I appreciate you being so generous with your time and your expertise and sharing your new stories. I'm so proud of your new book. Congratulations. Dirt Don't Slow You Down. It's an awesome read for you folks out there. If you can't wait to win a copy, go buy yourself a copy. I think you're going to find this a lot of fun. And until you and I meet again at some Porsche event, Happy New Year to you and to all the listeners. I'll see you down the road. Hey, Mark. Thanks a lot for all the support. And yeah, you are right. I'll see you down the road somewhere in 2018. So cheers and let's get out and drive. Cheers. Cheers, mate. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!